Comrades. Dear fellows. Comrades. I want to talk to I you. I crawl to you. I'd like to talk to you about the American dream. We are your artists in presidents. Let's do this. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Kieran. I perform as Madame Gandhi, and I'm a musician and an activist in downtown LA. My pronouns are she, hers. Peace, everybody. I'm Richie Reseda. I use the pronouns he, him, and his. I am a producer and an organizer also calling in from downtown LA. So something that I think is important for us to be thinking about, especially coming out of an election, is the way that political speech has been so um, symbolic. And oftentimes when politicians are talking, um, they're politicianing instead of actually seeking to solve community problems. So what that looks like is just finding little pieces of floating rhetoric, like politicized language, and using that rhetoric to get what they want, to get people to vote a certain way, or to support a thing, or to go against a thing, as opposed to actually addressing um, the issue that that language might have originally been created to address or may not have been. So like, for example, after Biden's win in the presidential election, there's been a lot of talk from the Democratic establishment saying things like, never say the words defund the police. Mm. Um, they have taken defund the police and turned it into a soundbite that either gets them votes or doesn't get them votes. And then they're deciding on whether or not they should use those words. If they pulled those words and those those poll results came back well they would say say them say and we'd have biden and harris running around saying defund the police all over the country but apparently somebody did some poll and it didn't give them the results um that they wanted so they're telling them not to say them but none of that actually has to do with what is happening in our communities um we don't need the the words defund the police um we don't need the words black lives matter like these words were created to portray an idea and if folks are getting a different idea from them, then we just say it differently. But we don't avoid the idea because the words pulled wrong. Um, instead, we, we could be talking about, politicians could be talking about when addressing the nation, um, the way that we moved 60 to 70 percent of public dollars from everything human beings need, education, housing, uh, health care, all over to law enforcement and systemic violence over the course of the last 20, 30 years. And we could talk about what kinds of communities we can have if we were to change that. Um, and ultimately, that's the conversation. It doesn't matter what hashtags uh, or buzzwords or rhetoric we use, but rather what results do we want in our communities? Yeah, and I'm listening to you, and it's also, it's not about someone's power it's not about not saying something just because that's going to affect someone's ability to be in, in office that doesn't affect someone's real life someone who's incarcerated someone who's a single mom someone who is trying to make ends meet the buzzwords we use one day uh it, it has nothing to do with, with with the person's everyday life when i think about this time for me what's most important is of course feeling enormous gratitude for our functioning democracy, for seeing our democracy work and seeing aspects of it prove its legitimacy. That feels exciting, that feels empowering, that feels like a reminder of hope that we've needed for so long. 
I also feel in this time an enormous amount of personal responsibility and a desire for us all to step into the enormity of our personal power. So often it's about saying, what is that person going to do for me? What is this elected official going to do for me? I'm really seeing now more of a of a desire for each person to take responsibility for their own backyard, take responsibility for their own community, take responsibility for the homeless folks on their own block. What if we each said, I want to contribute directly to my own backyard. I want to make my own zip code better. I want to make my neighboring zip code better. I want to make uh, zip codes near my home that are overly incarcerated better and safer. What are the measures that I can do uh, both literally on the ballot, whether it's the next election or what have you, or what are the activist communities in my neighborhood that I can join and show up for so that I can be my own political leader? You know, I can be my own politician. What does that look and feel like? I think there's multiple layers of community power that exist at the same time. There's obviously like the federal government, the state government, the local government, and then this community piece that I hear you talking about, Gandhi, that's like what we can do without any of those people. Um, but I, I, I feel like they all need to be engaged. And that framework that you stated still works even when I'm engaging the federal government, even like if I'm here to solve a problem, there is a lack of housing in my community or, um, or a lack of accessible housing in my community or people are losing their homes. Um, I might have to address the federal government or the state or, or the local government or what have you, but I'm still seeking to solve a community problem. That is the ultimate goal. Um, who I need to address or what I need to do or how I need to build power to do that is just the mechanism to get to that goal which is the opposite of what we see in this kind of symbolicized mm. political rhetoric mm. where they do the opposite. Mm. They're not using the mechanism to solve the problem. They're using the problem to serve the mechanism. Like what, what things should I care about so I can keep power? Right. And be elected. Right. Exactly. Like, Oh, people care about healthcare. Cool. Now I, I care about, care about health. That's right. Quote unquote. That's right. People care about whatever. And they'll, they'll dance around and that's, and that's why we don't get promises met by politicians, right? Because the, it is the art of the promise that they use to simply get what they want, which is um, power. power. Like being elected. I love that. When you were speaking, I was really thinking about how if, if each of us were our own mini expert on these different issues, just by taking a moment to be educated on these topics, it allows us to keep those elected officials held accountable. It's very difficult for me to hold an officer accountable who's telling me that they're doing this, this, and this if I know very little about the issue. It's so easy for me to say, oh, okay, good. They're doing what they said they're going to do. But when we take a moment to be involved directly in these issues, and it doesn't have to be all the issues, it can be one that you genuinely care about. In my case, I see a lot of homelessness. I see a lot of drug abuse here in downtown LA. I see it in my backyard. I see it in a way that I, I've never seen living, uh, growing up in New York City, you know? And so that's something that I really care about. I also care a lot about youth incarceration. I don't think it's right 
that we put any child under the age of 18 in a cage. I don't think that's right because a child is committing a crime out of a lack of opportunity and access to resources. They're not committing it because they're inherently bad. You know, that's a very old antiquated way of thinking. And so these are two aspects, combating homelessness and combating mass incarceration, especially for our kids, that I care deeply about. And so I spend a lot of time researching so that when I'm voting, I know the 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 elected officials who are actually prioritizing and championing these issues. I think that's a way that I would love to see our democracy shift in these next couple of years coming out of this election. I feel more of a desire to step into our own personal power rather than assuming it's in somebody else's hands. Yeah, and that's a different way for us to live, y'all, right? So there's one way, I mean, the way that I was kind of taught to live, um, which is my life is my business and your life is your <laughs> business, or and anything else um that doesn't affect me directly not my is, problem isn't my problem it, it's not even my business like mm. it would be rude for me mm. to even worry about what's going on <laughs> with someone else mm. um and that way of living has got us to where we are now where the planet is being destroyed where we lock up children where we lock up more human beings than we've ever had where we have a global pandemic that is that is a direct result of everybody being on a that is a direct result of everybody being on earth alone together mm. And what I hear you describing to us is um, a different approach where every everyone is my business. What is happening in my community is my business. And it, it actually is my job to understand what produces houselessness, like wh what created this situation. Because a manufactured reality, it's, it did not always exist. Um, and, and how and what how are my behaviors contributing to problems that I may not have realized? Which companies am I shopping from that are benefiting from prison labor? This is something that was a very difficult realization that I came to in the past couple of years, realizing that so many of the companies that I buy things from happily are benefiting from from slave labor, essentially, on in this very country. So that, that knowledge and that research has been enormously eye-opening, and it's so vital that we're brave enough to, to dig deeper and see what's, what's really happening in this country. Yeah, similarly, I think it's important that we realize that um, we don't have to be bad people to do something that's harming someone else. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that's that was so appealing about the the current president who's soon to leave office um, to people is that uh, he I think was at the core of his message was like do whatever you want mm -hmm. and put yourself first mm -hmm. and put America first and you know there will be winners and losers so just make sure you win and I think there's something comfortable to people about that so they don't have to worry about it's not comfortable that's the american ethos mm. the american ethos is founded on this very concept it is yeah. it, it, it's it's a capitalist mentality it, it's it trump's sorry 45's way of thinking very much just reaffirmed the, the way that we've been poisoned to think so it, it just kind of exacerbated that yeah and i think that there's um something new in what you're offering um, that will give us that will just give us drastically different results mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. we because you, you what I think what the, the supporters of this president wanted was to not feel shame mm. um, and to behave the way they already are. You're yeah. saying got it. Yeah. And and oftentimes uh, shame has been used as a tool to try to get people to 
not be racist, to not whatever, to not do things that are really harmful. But shame actually isn't really a helpful tool. Um, Cause you're not, cause you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're not doing it out of care or a desire to see somebody else thrive. You're doing it to make sure that you are not being judged or on the wrong side. Right. Exactly. To Exactly. It's like punishment. That's right. right. It, That's once right. the, once the, the whip is taken away, my, my behavior actually hasn't changed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, I think that's part of the appeal of what got this president in office is that people wanted to live without shame. And I think it's important that we share with folks um, that we all participate in harm and that there doesn't have to be shame attached to that. We can actually just change our behavior for the benefit of the people that we're harming. So to your point, um, uh, going back to the example of uh, unhoused people, um, thinking about our, where we both live in downtown L.A., um simply buying a super luxury condo or living in a like high rent building because you can afford it um doesn't seem like in and of itself a harmful choice but to contribute to the market of raising prices Mm. so high that Mm. other people from this area can't afford them and can't afford the rent and get kicked out actually can contribute to harm. And that's a scary thought, right? For people who have worked hard and want to live a certain way, it's scary to think that, wait, me just renting an apartment can contribute to these people who I see living without homes and it makes me so sad to see them. How could that be my fault? I'm just working hard and trying to live my own life. But unfortunately, that's the truth. So Um, we can empower ourselves with that information and yeah, it makes life a little stickier and a little more difficult, but we can make new choices. We don't have to be shamed by that. We can just make new choices if it is true that we really want to change those outcomes for those people. That's right. That's right. I liked how you used the word, and I've heard this in, in conversation before using the word houseless people versus homeless. Can you talk a little bit about that choice as a, as a word? I think, um, I've, Houseless versus homeless feels less consequential to me than unhoused versus mm-hmm. houseless or homeless. Okay. I think people say houseless versus homeless because they mean like. Maybe that got, person has a home. Yeah. You sure. have a home. If you say you have a home, you have a home. Sure. You might not have a house. You might not have an apartment. But right. if you have a home, you have a home. But the reason why I appreciate the term unhoused is because it takes the burden off of the individual and puts it onto a society that has chosen to operate in such a way where some people have shelter and some people don't, wow. which is a choice. Yep. There, this same land right here where we're sitting just 2,000 years ago, everybody had a home. Mm-hmm. And had and for the prior mm-hmm. 8,000 years before that, mm-hmm. everybody on mm-hmm. this Tongva land mm-hmm. had a home, mm-hmm. every single person. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until colonialism that there was people who had shelter and people who didn't. So that was a choice we all made. Um, and a choice that we make every day when we choose to participate in a economy that houses some people and doesn't house others. So that's why I think it's important to say, like, this person is unhoused because we chose to leave them behind, that's not right. because they're, they're defective. They did something wrong. That's mm-hmm. right. I love that. Thank you. I knew there was an intentionality behind that, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Well, I think that there's, um, there's a lot of opportunity here for all of us who want to see the world be better. Um, And I think some of the key things I take away from this conversation is that we can choose to be our own political leaders, which will require us to educate ourselves about what's going on around us, to make bold choices without shame, um, and to get away from the symbolism 
of bumper stickers and rhetoric and what you know tribalizes one of us as progressive versus conservative or whatever and instead talk about the results in our community and what choices we need to make to achieve those results thank you so much richie it's been <laughs> beautiful <you. laughs> to hold space with you and uh much love to the artists and presidents squad thank you And now, turn this into something else. We live on through our descendants. Let us begin again, my Americans. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. And good luck. <laughs>